0: You're listening to Creatives Making Money, the podcast for creatives who are on a mission to do the work they feel most called to do and make some money while they do it. This is a show for the makers, the dreamers, the doers, the creators, the artists, the crazy ones, and the ones who are determined to consciously build the life and career of their dreams. Here, we don't just believe in getting your dream job, we believe in creating it. So what does creative success even look like? How do we live a fully expressed, abundant AF life? That's precisely what we're here to find out. My mission with Creatives Making Money is to conduct 100 interviews with successful creatives and those who love and support them about money, career, and the process of making and doing what they most love, including all of the ups, downs, and in-betweens. I'm your host, Jamie Jensen, writer, storyteller, filmmaker, serial entrepreneur, and shameless creator. No matter where you are in your creative and financial journey, I'm here to help you create like you mean it. Welcome to this amazing episode of Creatives Making Money. Today, I am so very pleased to have with me my dear friend and brilliant coach Lauren Wallet. Lauren Wallet is the creativity coach, an international lifestyle business coach, and speaker. She runs the business school for coaches and works with solopreneurs to help optimize their businesses so they can make more money in less time and save their energy for things that feel really important to them. Her summer school program launches mid-July to end September, and she has a monthly membership to her Content Creators Club to help build your business with compelling content and connected communities. Hi, Lauren. Hey, hey! Excited <laughs> to be here. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here and to have you here. And I'm so grateful that you're taking the time to hang out with us today.
1: Yeah. So, Lauren,
0: Lauren is the creativity coach. Um, Lauren and I are, are great friends. We met, I don't know, a year and a half, two years ago, something mm. like that. I don't remember exactly. Um, instantly hit it off. Instant connection. So, so much like like mindedness, and so I. I just, I'm just so excited to share her brilliance and to hear her brilliance and to be in the presence of her brilliance today. Like I consider this a gift to me to just be doing this episode. So, ha. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to start with one of your favorite things I know, which is how do you define creativity?
1: I think that creativity is the most powerful untapped resource we have. That's what you even helped me come up with framing it like that. But what I, what creativity means to me is that that's our potential in life is to be creators. So it's not traditional creativity of, Oh, arts or drama or like creativity like that. It's actual creation. So we're here to create in our lives and every single thing we do is an act of creative service to the world, or it's like destructive. So how are we actively shaping our communities, our businesses and ourselves? And that's what like creativity means to me. It encompasses the entire purpose of our existence.
0: What do you think people, how do you think someone would like misinterpret that or kind of say it like, what do I want to say about this? Because I feel like people make assumptions about what creativity is and isn't that are completely mm. off base, right? So where do you see that happening in a couple of ways? In like one, how people are sort of mistakenly defining like your approach and what you do with your clients, number one, and number two, in terms of just like the cultural landscape and socially, how we think about creativity
1: and sort of talk about it. um, What do you think, where do you think we're off? I feel that people misinterpret the word creativity for maybe decorating. It's like, oh, do they make it pretty? Do they put colors on or do they, is it packaging? No, it's creation. Um, it's the entire like principle of the world has been created for anyone who has any form of religious or spiritual practice, the idea of God or the universe being the ultimate source of creation and that we are creations like perpetually creating and recreating ourselves. So like creativity is the answer and it's like, it's everything. So we are creators creating our creation. So it's the most powerful thing, but it's almost been diluted to she's such a creative person like she makes things look pretty it's like when did this word get so warped (laughs) like it's you know it's it's universal source power creation and I think that for the misinterpretation that I've seen is that creativity is denoted to to the arts and to cultural things, whereas business is the ultimate act of creation because you're conceptualizing something that doesn't yet exist. You have a vision for something and then you manifest that through intentional actions and you you give birth into something which then serves a global audience. That's what a business ultimately is. It's the ultimate act of creation. So, so nothing into something that serves. How wonderful and something that, that a community can be formed around. So that's where I think it's like maybe gone a bit haywire Got a bit wonky. Yeah. Got a bit strange, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. You and I talk a lot about like the concept of being multi-passionate too and how, you know, as creative people or people who are passionate or heart-driven, heart-centered, mission-driven, care about a lot of different like things, causes, things that sort of like get us going. Um What do you think the biggest challenge that exists right now is for someone who maybe self identifies as multi passionate?
1: Well, we were chatting about this the other day, and I think it's just that insane, um, that insane, what's it called when it's like the opposite for men and women? Um, Hypocrisy in the world, which is the double standards. a, A double standard, yeah. It's like there is an idea that. A man is an entrepreneur, whereas a woman is multi-passionate. So Richard Branson is seen as the the ultimate entrepreneur, but that guy's got gyms and credit cards and islands and Virgin everything. They completely don't link at all. But no one goes, what a multi-passionate guy. He's got so many things he's into, isn't he scattered? You know, isn't he so unfocused? No, he's seen as a genius who's like a mogul and just a prolific creator of businesses. But then if it's a woman, it's like, oh, I think your problem is, you know, you're a copywriter and you're a coach or you can't really be into graphic design and business strategy. It's like, well, of course you can, but there's been this, it's a suppression of women, which we see coming out in all these different subversive ways. And one of the biggest ones is this idea that women are unfocused and scatterbrained because we're able to hold so much complexity and do things simultaneously. We are ultimate creators, but it's being just reduced to she's a multi-passionate. How about she's a prolific creator who's like a a visionary mogul? Because if we were given that kind of encouragement, who's to say that we couldn't have multiple businesses running simultaneously, just like men do.
0: I love that. And I love that because, I mean, first of all, I have chills just hearing that. I'm like nodding along and saying, yes, yes, that feels (laughs) true. And I'm thinking about men that I know that are like multi-passionate or have a lot of ideas or have a lot of stuff going on and how no one would shame them for that.
1: No, I feel like with the the businessmen that I know, a lot of it's even done within their very tight community. So on the golf course, two guys will be playing golf and one will say, you know, I actually saw a good opportunity, a good opportunity for investment. Like, let me buy this business. I'll just put in some staff, meaning probably a woman to manage it and run it because, you know, they're not good at admin. So like they can't actually do the thing. They just have the money to back up the thing, but they'll hire people to do it. And the friend will say, yes, I'll back you up. I'll also invest that with you. And men have all these different all these different opportunities because they're opportunistic and they never have all the eggs in one basket. They're always multiple because they have access to so many different pots and pies simultaneously because there is this boys club that hooks men up. So as women, if we come together and do that for each other, which is like, Hey, invest in this, support this. Then of course we can do the same thing, which is diversify our investments and have multiple streams of income. That's not multi-passionate. That's just genius strategy. That's just how the world works. So I think we need to really get out of this idea that we've got a niche down, focus, only one thing. There is only one way and any other way you're just dispersing your energy and realize that the way you show up to do one thing is the way you show up to do everything. And with the right systems and structures and teams in place, of course you can have more than one thing. Of course it's possible. That's what this entrepreneurship journey is all about. That's what creation's about.
0: It's about more, not less.
1: Yeah, more. And it's like, as I say this to you the other day, it's like if a baby is being grown inside a stomach, it doesn't grow one fingernail and then one leg. And then it's not in a linear way. Things happen all together. It's organic. It's all growing. Or if you think of cooking, I think of business like having multiple pots on the stove. Different things are ready at different times, percolating and ready. Or the final analogy, like planting seeds. They're all going to grow differently. But you don't just plant one seed and go, my God, I hope this is it. If I just niche down, it'll work. We have no idea if our businesses are going to work until they probably in their third year. So it doesn't matter if you have other things in the back burner or other things you want to try. That's just, that's just, yeah, it's good strategy.
0: Um, I love that you're, so a lot of, so we're touching on the idea of like capital and funding and investment Mm -hmm. and what's accessible to us. And I feel like this is a really important conversation for us to have when you talk about the boys club um, particularly around, you know, females and minorities, you know, as opposed to others who are closer to what is represented in the 1%, right? Especially in the US and capitalism and the economy and whatnot. Um, and so what I, I just sort of want to circle to this idea that's been, keeps coming up around this with the concept of being multi-passionate, which is what's, what's wrong with a woman wanting more?
1: Yeah, I had I had a really bizarre experience with one of my mentors in America. Which uh, I came to America, you know, and I thought I needed to Americanize and get in touch with the the white, rich, successful men who could show me a thing or two about how to be less third world and more first world. And I've really been experimenting in these circles to see what it's all about. And I've come to the same conclusion that I came to in South Africa, which is fuck it, like it really doesn't do anything for you at all. The only people who've offered me true support are women. Um, not to. Bash men entirely, but just it's like there's this pretense that of help where it's not real. So for an example, one of these mentors, um, he invested in this man's company, and this man does a similar thing to what I do, which like teaches people how to virtualize their businesses and outsources and stuff. And he's like, "Oh, you know, I own 10% of that company." I said, "No, that's amazing." Now that's one. That he uh, this man gives a lot of 10% to a lot of different companies. They're all men. A lot of different things. But when I have been doing work for this man for months and months for free and speaking and strategizing and assisting with things, his biggest concern with me has been, I just don't know with you, Laura, and I don't know if I should pay you to actually do this work because you do a lot of things. And it's just, I don't know if you focused enough Or now granted, I've been working for him for free and doing all the things for free anyway, but his, his restraint of actually paying me for work moving forward has been, I just seem to have a lot on my plate. Now, okay, obviously I don't do any more work for this man for free because I just stopped because it was like insane. Like There was nothing to prove. Like there was nothing to prove that I could do the work I was already doing it. But why was I seen as a person who had too much going on where he could be invested in 20 companies run by men and it was no problem? it just doesn't make any sense. And I thought, I'm just a tiny example of what's happening to women every single day where this very, very wealthy man who wanted to mentor and assist me could have easily said, how about 10% of a cash injection into your company? My God, that would have been transformative to me. But it's withheld because it's almost like there's a power play of, I want you to listen to me, um, need me, but it's like a slave master dynamic of I'll help you but the only help that I've been given by white men in America has been the opportunity to work for them for free and to listen to them talk at me about things that worked in corporate capital, capitalist America 20 years ago, and they've never actually worked for me. So it just, it does the old rules don't apply and it works. If you're a white rich man, cool. It does not work. If you are a woman, if you're an immigrant, um, I don't know about minority groups. Cause I'm, I mean, I'm white, but I can imagine if this is how it is for me, it's way worse for a woman of color. Um, So it's like, we have to start ourselves, forming communities, connections, not seeing each other as competition, but seeing each other as leverage and coming together and investing in each other, hiring each other, like working together, promoting one another, because that's the way that we're going to be able to undo some of this hypocrisy, I think.
0: Yeah, I I have a vision or a belief that um, female and minority small businesses have the potential to create a new economy. And
1: 100%.
0: because we don't have the same access to capital, um, traditional capital sources yeah. as other business owners do, um, based on lots of reasons, based on, well, I mean, there's a list. I'm not going to go into the whole list right now. Cause this isn't mm. an episode about that. It's an episode about Lord wallet. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. And, and like the, the I sort of just want to underline a lot of what you're saying here, which is like this idea that it's bad, it's bad, shameful, or wrong for us to want more because we are inspired by it or because we simply desire it or because we have a vision for it or because it's strategically smart. And we intuitively as women in the way that we lead or we grow businesses know that. Mm. And I think that this is an important thing that I just want to like pull out and underline because it's it's what you're saying that I want everyone who's listening to hear. Um, and this doesn't mean that like there aren't white men in business who don't face challenges. Um, that's totally not what I'm saying. But the messaging that they receive is very different. And um, the piece that I want to sort of underline here is that like there is an internalized oppression aspect of – if we are told that it's wrong to want more, then we are less likely to question why it's not okay for us to have it or why we don't have it.
1: And I think that, yeah, there is this shaming that goes on. And I think we need to look at what is the help we're actually being given. So when a man or someone who's, and I'm saying a man because they are the ones who traditionally have just been more powerful and are the ones who help women. But if this man is helping you, is he actually helping you with funding? with resources with connections or is he is his version of help the opportunity to listen to him or to get access to one of his free events where you have to keep quiet because another piece of help that i've been given is i'm allowed to go to a free event that this man's hosting but his guidance to me was i heard you lauren and you were talking um you were talking in the group and you should have been listening So not only was I not allowed to have my turn, which I literally said, oh, it was my turn to talk. I thought we all got a turn. It was, you need to show up, but shut up. You're you're lucky to be in that room. Now, it's that kind of shaming, which makes it very difficult to put yourself out there to keep being confident and to attract your community. If you're told that the only way is through the help of a man and to be silent, that's not true. What needs to happen is you need to not be in those environments where you're being told to keep quiet because you've got to realize that if that's the environment you're in, it's never going to foster your own creativity or growth. But if you host your own community and have a space that is safe for sharing and for women to express themselves, those are your people. So like what I've gone lately is I've gone wow, I really tried to play by these white men rules and I read their stupid books and I listened to their cliches and I took all the notes and I, I thought a lot of it was so basic, but I thought maybe I'm missing something here. And what I've come to realize is it's just stuff that worked for them 20 years ago. Get them to try it again now, none of them would be successful. It's like, it, it's like they've all got a million dollars already and now they're talking about like how to make more. It's just a whole different thing. So I would say like as women, we just don't need to buy the books from these old white rich dudes or listen to them because it works for them it doesn't work for us we've got to create our own economy and our own way of doing things where we circulate our money between each other where we where we work together to like build our businesses which we can totally do
0: i love your perspective and where you're coming from with this
1: um <laughs> I mean, it's like, I met you, I've like, I've bought your courses, I've studied your work, and it's been transformative in my business. It's actually made a difference. Whereas these other things that I've been told to do by white men hasn't moved the needle. So this is based on literal experience. It's like the way I've been able to be successful in America is because I've created communities here. And I've shared my knowledge and I've given a lot of things to my communities. I've empowered them to become empowered and then they make more money and then together we all prosper. It's been very much about like, how do we come together? Not how do we stab each other in the back or screw each other over? over. It's a different way of doing things. And I would not have been able to, to move cities and move countries if this wasn't the reality that I lived and breathed. So it's not, a, it's not a sweet idea. It's like, it's my lived truth and I know that it works. Thank you for sharing that.
0: Where I want to go from here is this idea of you're one of the... So you're one of the most prolific people I know. You just... You create content like the amount of content you create makes me tired. And I create a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I don't even post
1: all the stuff that I create. <laughs>
0: like, I know. <laughs> but like you... It's a superpower of yours. And so, you know, I want... I just... I want everyone to... I mean, if you're not following Lauren Wallet on Instagram at The Creativity Coach and also at Lauren Wallet, and I don't even know, I think you have 20 other Instagram accounts that are all constantly turning content. And I'm always like, wow, what do you think about the concept of balance? Because I think this is an important thing to sort of mention here. Um, for a few reasons, one of which being that I know a lot of this audience can identify with this, this idea of, okay, well, I'm going to do the money-making thing, even if it's not my creative thing. And like, how am I, how am I creating balance in terms of like, what's paying me money versus the direction I want to go in, whether it's a direction in business I want to go in or a new business I want to start or another, a seedling of an idea, you know, the seeds that haven't like borne fruit yet how do we balance like, where we're taking fruit with where we're sowing seeds? And, and what's your perspective on that as someone who is wildly prolific and, and always creating and not afraid to have your hands in many different pots?
1: So I'm getting replenished by what I plant. Um, I'm not just planting. That would be exhausting. If everything I was doing was just the planting and just the, the the creating, that would be very tiring, but it's giving me back. So it's like I've got a garden, but I'm actually pulling up the carrots and eating them and then I'm replanting, you know, the refertilizing. I the reason I create so much is I get so much back from what I put out. So if I look at as, as my art in life, my life is like, say my life's my masterpiece, but my art is my heart. Then every single thing I do is an act of creativity. So, how am I creating every single day? So, I am super aware of how I live my life. And it's like, then it's not like I've got to separate making content from how I live, it's just sharing what I'm doing anyway. So, everything is conscious. So I'm pretty delighted in a lot of the stuff that I do, which would seem super basic. Like before this, I went to Blue Bottle that you know I'm obsessed with, and I walk down the road, and I listen to my favorite songs, I look at the sky that's so pretty, and I get my coffee and I take a picture and I write how I'm feeling, and then I come back and I do this. It's not like I'm like, oh my God, I've got to make a post or now I've got to. It's like I'm delighted in the magic in the ordinary moments, and I just get to share those as I'm existing. So there's nothing extra that I'm doing. It's like, it's like breathing sharing for me. It's like, hey, this is what I'm doing anyway. And I get to put it out there. And it's so delightful to me because it, it it gives me joy back. It like it actually feeds me. So my creations return to me all the time. Like I get a lot of joy out of the communities, a lot of love back, a lot of support. Um, and I think that's when it starts to feel like you're in flow with it. So when you're creating, well, when your creation is just a sharing, it just feels good. That doesn't take anything from you. Does that make sense?
0: It doesn't make sense. And what you're talking about is the process being linear versus circular, which is like linear Mm. tends to be more of a masculine, the masculine way. It's like start, start, work, finish, check it off a list, cross it off a thing. Um, But the process of work in the feminine and the feminine energy version of it is the sort of cyclical flow state. So Mm. for example, this is, this is also why I believe this is like a whole other topic, but why I believe that for women in particular, um, we don't, I mean, there's hormonal and biological reasons for this too, which I won't get into because that's not my expertise, but there are a lot of women who it's like, it's the work version of postpartum depression where you work really hard on something, you get to the end of the road with it, and then you're just depleted. And you don't feel the sense of accomplishment or the sense of joy or the like, Ooh, I should feel X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah about it. Instead of like creating a, a working process for your creativity and how you function and how you work. Um, that actually is uh, giving back to you and in a balanced energy flow, which is what you're talking about. And so what I mean by that is instead of looking at, it's, it's a perspective thing. It's also an energetic thing. And it's, it's an, it's, finding the approach that works for you that gives this to you energetically, which is, I think a little bit different for everyone, but it's creating a process where you're not looking at any task or project or goal as terminal Mm -hmm. because we're always going to still be in the process no matter what. And so it's, it's that attitude of like this list might be done, but there's a new list now. And so that, that breathing of like, if we are living with the always like, well, I just have to do this and then I'll feel the way I want to feel it, or I just have to get this done and then I'll give myself space or then I'll have the feeling I'm going for. You know, If we're chasing feelings, but not letting ourselves feel them, we get into a, a challenging situation where we burn ourselves out without actually ever creating from a space of uh, being able to be in that state where what we're doing actually gives us back. Time, money, energy, than the way we want to feel, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Am totally. I understanding? Am no, no, I understanding? Because yeah, I know we're exactly, talking. About, yeah. We're like talking about some spiritual, energetic concepts, which you know we'll tap into that stuff too. But yeah.
1: No, no. That, that's that's completely clear. It's like it's it's being in perpetual creative response to everything. So my life is perpetual creativity. That is my purpose. I want to, like there is no end to that. That's the whole point of every single day. I'm doing it all the time with everything that I'm doing. So for example, um, to touch on even today, so today was my big launch of launching the summer school that's what I did this morning. And then straight after that, I knew I was going for coffee. And now I've got this joyful experience with you. And then I'm going to make a pizza. And like, all these things are like, all these things are great things. And then I've been excited because I've got this stack of content of 10 parts that I want to load onto Instagram. I can't wait to share that. All these things are different creations. If it was like D-Day, This is the day the school launches and everything hinders on that. And once it's done, I'm like, oh my God, now what? No, now I'm going to do this. Yesterday I launched a new sequence for my magical community because I've got a bit of time for that. I'm keeping on going. It's not about the end result. And I think that's that linear way of like, oh, like one solid thing instead of just this joyful thing. And that's where burnout comes. Whereas if you are, if you've ignited your creative fire, it becomes this warm, glow that people come around and toast their marshmallows with you. Like you like you just keep that fire burning. It doesn't become a forest fire that consumes you and you finish at the end of it. You just feel warm and glowy the whole time. And like that's a vibe. Like just that's a vibe. Yeah. I I this
0: isn't like my my expertise either, but the word that comes to mind is um the energy of reciprocity. Yeah. And like reciprocity with your own work and your own relationship with your work and how you create.
1: Yeah yeah totally it's like the most joyful this is why i always say like when i'm doing business optimization with people it's work less and play more but it's that play state my whole life is built around creativity so while it seems like i'm churning content or building businesses i'm playing like it's the most fun thing i could do in fact when i was a little child this will give you an idea of what a little geek i was my favorite game to play with my one friend ellie Shepard was Called coffees and paper, and I'd go to her house, and I was like, "Let's play coffees and paper," and we'd get paper. And I'd be like, "Would you like a cup of coffee?" And I'd put it in my in my fake mug of water, and then you know, walk around back. Like, Here's some papers, and then like, obviously you shouldn't know what I was really doing, but I was playing business. Like I wanted to be a businesswoman, and I knew that that was coffees and paper. And now, let me tell you, with me and my post-it notes and my coffees. I'm like, who won life? laugh? Because I think it was me. <laughs> Like, that is like fun. literally
0: literally you i'm like you go to the coffee shop every single day <laughs> and the world asked up getting your takeout coffee <laughs> it's like and yeah. then you come back and and i've literally seen the stacks of papers in your house for the amount of research work <laughs> yeah. you create for your students
1: <laughs> yeah papers and documents but like it's very and when and before that i mean when i was like Geez, when I was maybe five before school, I would have a hula hoop, a pink hula hoop, and I'd put all my dolls in the pink hula hoop and I'd make them books and then I would teach them. And I'd be the teacher and I'd be all the characters and then I'd do all their homework differently. It's like I've just always loved this. You would do that I love homework? that vibe. Yeah, I would be them and I'd be their homework and I'd be their teacher and it's like I loved it. <laughs>
0: like I definitely played teacher but I definitely never did the student's homework
1: (laughs) well they all had different books so they want to get different marks and it was like so it's like this idea of just yeah I've just loved these I've always loved that playful it's like characters for me you know because I grew up as an actress so playing different characters playing different roles different interpretations and having businesses can be like that each have their each has their own personality each has a different community I feel that as people we have we are multifaceted and kaleidoscopic we've got so many different parts to ourselves that it's beautiful to be able to express those different parts for different communities Um, yeah it's really fun so how many different projects and communities do you have going on right now so my one-on-one work is business optimization. And that's where I take on a handful of few clients and I work with them one-on-one for a three-month acceleration process. So that's like my favorite to do with someone who's already got a business, but they're looking to just streamline it and play more, make it more joyful. So we prioritize, we virtualize their business with systems, automations, and tech tools, and then we maximize their marketing. That's like my best. So that's number one. That's on laurenwallet.com. The second community that I've got is the business school for coaches. That's broken down into two parts. The one is simply irresistible how to create and sell multiple irresistible offers. Obviously like that's what I do. So how do you put your offers online and make them compelling through content and community? So that's a three month program that I coach in a group and it's got access to my full course online and all my guidebooks and all that stuff. The other community that's part of that is called the Content Creators Club. That's for people who have already got offers. They've got a business, but they know they need content. They know they need to keep engaging their community. Then they're in my club. And we meet monthly and we make content. And that's super fun because we actually do it together. It's very hands-on. Then my private communities that I've got, one's called Witches Rehab. It's the 12 steps to magical reclamation. And uh, yesterday I decided to relaunch that. So on the 24th of each month, we have a monthly coven meetup. Um, I've run it for a year before I took a pause because I was focusing on the business school, but that's a that's a coven of 4000 women, well, women and men on Instagram. And I've got a great community there. So I'm reactivating that and we're going to start having coven meetups and the final community that I've got that's also been on a hiatus because I ridiculously thought when COVID hit that the patriarch was over. I decided that this meant that the patriarch had dissolved and we've all learned how to slow down and reunite. And it was before Black Lives Matter happened. And I thought, oh, Rebella's done, I'll just delete this community. But since, or the turmoil and change, I've realized that I was living in my own delusion. So I've reignited my community, Rebella, which means beautiful rebel. And that's the movement of women's expression. How do we dare to do our lives differently? How do we rewrite our future? So how do we free ourselves from this patriarchal prison of shoulds and a man is a plan and just these very strict, outdated models. And how do we get more into a place of desire and want and expression and yeah, creativity. So, Rebella is another community that I run. And they all actually kind of fit together in my head, but you know, different strokes for different folks. Maybe the person who wants to do Rebella doesn't want to optimize their business or vice versa, but you could do all of them. I feel like I would do all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Long. Well, this is the weird thing like what happens is like i'll i'll it's like all these different streams leading to the collective pool and i'll meet someone from Rebella, and then they'll land up coming to my marketing meetups or i'll meet someone in marketing and then they land up going oh my gosh by the way i'm a witch and can we do witchy stuff i'm like yeah so that's because we're all more than just one thing so it can feed into each other depending on what you feel like
0: i also want to just like publicly appreciate you Um, saying that you were living in your own delusion, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) and just like sharing, like, well, I thought this, but then I was like, oh, that was not what was I even thinking. Um, I'm I'm calling that out because I think that like most people wouldn't come on a podcast and be like, I'm just gonna share my own, like, you know, miss like misled thinking or a space where like I did something that's part of my story that at this moment. You know, it's not like I'm really like I totally had it figured out. Is kind of where I'm coming from, and I think that it's really easy for us as as entrepreneurs and business owners and creatives and creatives who are sort of like, you know, want to serve to be able to take on the position of I don't always have it all figured out. I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly expanding. I'm constantly growing and doing better. And like sometimes I'm living in an illusion that isn't necessarily the right, like, isn't necessarily helpful to me, but it's still part of my journey and it matters and I shouldn't hide it from people out of shame.
1: 100%. It's like, I left South Africa, which was a very challenging place for me to live in. I felt very suppressed and oppressed there as a woman. Um, I was very active, like, you know, that's where I started my whole rebella movement. I was really, like, I was, like, into activism and I was out there and I, Escaped to America for my own healing and my own softening. And I needed to do a lot of like self work and heal. But I think within that, I just kind of forgot, you know, all the problems that I'd left behind. I literally was like, oh, there's no racism in America. This is the land of the free and the brave. We're all immigrants here. Like, this is a melting pot. This is where you get to be free and express yourself. Like, this is my land. But what I did was I made my world really small because I just was focusing on lovely coffees and crystals and playing all day, creating. And I, I, be, I became, I closed off to what was right in front of me. And when I woke up, it was this like awakening, but I was like, my God, it's reactivated in me. Like who the fuck I am and what I actually stand for. And it's like, I never didn't believe these things, but it's reignited it in me to call out, like just to call bullshit on the patriarch and on white supremacy and on just this, these mediocre, White men who rule the world who don't know anything. And Jesus, dude, I have tried to listen. I mean, I have sat there, I've appreciated, I've shut the fuck up, I've read their boring books, I've listened to their bullshit. And I'm just like, dude, I can tell you, I know them all. There's nothing that they say which adds any real value. Like any coffee conversation you and me have had trumps any of these things. And I sat there going, yes, oh, that is interesting. Oh, yes. And it's like, actually, no. <laughs> like, actually, no, dude. That worked for you 20 years ago. You and your rich friends. Like, you know, no. So that's what I'd like to say about that. But yeah, I've got to, if I have to look at my own delusion the whole time and check myself before I wreck myself. Like, yeah, I'm happy to be
0: wrong. Yeah. I love that about you. And I just think that like, as a leader, I think that it's, it's just important. And I just, that's why I'm calling it out. I want to inspire anyone who's listening to continue to examine any place where they feel shame in their own story um, and see what's there for them. Cause I think that there's just a lot of value there for their own growth and for how they can allow themselves to be more visible and not hide pieces of what's true.
1: Yeah, I think when I'm looking for someone to lead me and guide me, I don't want someone who pretends they've got it all together because I know no one does because none of us were born with the rule book for life because life's not a game and there are no rules. So anytime that I feel that someone's thinking, is there a right way or a wrong way or anyone who's telling you how to play the game or a winning formula or a quick fix or this or that, that's the premise that the entire world has been built on is this you know, winning solution, crush your competition, hustle hard, all these very male... I call it scare shaming techniques, you know, instill fear into people. Is it a bleeding neck problem? Make them desperate and make it time crunch and make it all these things, which look where we've landed. We are circling the drain of the apocalypse. Okay. It doesn't work. No one has the winning formula. We need a whole new restructure compassion, integration, true connection, genuinely caring for each other. If one, if one group of people is suffering, the rest of us are suffering. We are all interconnected. You cannot just fend for yourself. We've got to find a way to come together. Like we need, we need a whole new way of doing things. So it's like, instead of trying to fit out, you know that thing of like, um, I want a seat at the table. When people say like, I want a seat at the table. I want, it's like, I've been thinking lately, there must be no table. It's like, fuck the table. Don't even build a new one, but create a dance floor, like outside in the moonlight. And like, let's dance. Like, like, even the thing of like, Okay, I see your face. It looks very excited.
0: <laughs> I mean, you know that I'm... At, if there's a dance floor, you know that I'm the
1: first person on the dance yeah, floor. it's like... So, like, that's what I'm saying metaphorically. It's like this idea of a seat at the table, scratch that whole thing and be like, where's the dance party under the moonlight and can we go there? Because we can, we can, with creativity, we can literally recreate the way the world is structured and we can play in a whole new way. We just have to decide that we're going to dare to do it differently and lead by example, put our money where our mouth is and like actively engage in, in the shift. And you do, we do that by stop buying into the old one, like just as a start, there you go. Like, you know, there are alternatives. Yep. I'm here for that.
0: I want to touch on your like your money story. Um, I know you love to talk about how your last name is Wallet. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> and that has so much to do with like you and sort of what you're here to do and what you're about and and just like the dimension and energy of your name. And I feel like if I just ask you to share, you'll have plenty to share. But let me know if you need a more specific question.
1: Oh no, I don't. I like the I like the open the better. Um so I was a global curator for collaborative consumption back in Africa. And now collaborative consumption is is like a financial idea which is about the shared economy. So the term uh, collaborative consumption was coined by a woman called Rachel Botsman, who's Australian. She did some great TED Talks, you can Google her. And she spoke about the shared economy that we move, that the world is moving into, where some of the biggest companies in the world don't actually own any assets, but they own the exchange networks of those assets. So. Uber, Lyft, Airbnb, ways that you are able to make money within a collective through sharing. And that can either be through sharing an asset like a car or renting out an empty space. So sharing a space or sharing a, like communities having communal tool sheds. So a tool that has idle capacity because you only need to drill once a month. If you share that within the community, you can make more together. And you can make money by saving money. And there's this whole repurposing. So I was really into this whole concept because I love different financial models. I'm really into them. And I was the first person in South Africa to have a collaborative consumption company called A Good Exchange, one of my many projects. So because of this, I became an ambassador in Africa, interviewed all the people who were doing similar things and spoke a lot on the radio about like finances and I remember when there was a crisis in Greece I was on as an expert talking about money which was just insane and I was like okay because people were craving a different alternative to go what are other ways to work with money so I'm just saying that to give you a bit of credibility that like it's these are not just theories this is like stuff that I've done and I've actively like lived there are ways to make money within a collective and there are non-traditional ways that we're really seeing some of them in the world um, that I'm super fascinated by. I've also been an associate for Techstars, which is an accelerator program. It's global, but I was in the one in South Africa. And the cohort that I was in was specifically around financial technology. So looking at blockchain and Bitcoin and different, like we're moving into different dimensions. We're looking at different currencies. One of Rachel Botsman's, quotes that I love is that reputation is fast becoming a currency. So how does our reputation give us access to different things? And a simple example would be like, we all get rated after using an Uber, you know, it's like your driver's rated, but so are you. So your credibility is important and social media is becoming another alternative that you can instead of looking at people's credit ratings there are some companies who are giving credit based on social media who are you connected to what do you stand for there's all these different new models and that's something that i'm really interested in and i think that we can start expanding our horizons from a traditional limited view of money and banks into exchanges um time banking skill sharing swapping There are many different ways to make money than a traditional way. How do you think that empowers us differently to be more multi-passionate? Well, it's about making different choices and not being stuck in the linear of, I don't have money, therefore I can't do that. Like money is literally one tool of exchange, but there are multiple avenues. And it's not about about money. It's about creative ingenuity and there are other ways to access things. I've I've used different models the whole time like in my, in my own life of getting what I want with with yeah with trades and swapping and time sharing and community building and it, there's just a lot of there are a lot of other alternatives so I think the main thing is to start opening your mind to what could the alternatives be or like my sister says a great thing she goes what if it was easy so if it was easy, what do you really need? And often what we, what we truly want isn't really dependent on money. It's like how we wanna feel like you touched on earlier. So often what we really want, we can access right now. And when we feel that way now, more, more opportunities become obvious to us. Like when we stop pretending that it's just like that all we need is the money, the money, the money. Like we, we use it as a, as a barrier where it's just a tool. Like it's one of the tools.
0: Yep. Which leads us really beautifully into this question that I ask every guest, which is if you just had like $5 million gifted to you, no strings attached, tax free, like here you go, you can do whatever you want with this money. What would you choose to do with it?
1: I'd move into the middle of nowhere and build the most exquisite home you've ever seen. And I would open a coffee shop, which is part co-work part coffee shop and part conceptual brainstorming think tank for creative geniuses around the world. And I would keep creating. I would keep my multiple communities. I would do my writing and just keep producing. Like I really want to produce a lot. Um, But I would live somewhere, some way beautiful and some way that I can deeply connect to people in the online world. Would your coffee shop also be in the middle of nowhere? Cause I had yes. two different
0: visions when you said this, I was yes, like, my- Oh, is this a space where people would like in a COVID fine place, <laughs> like COVID not like not pretend that's not a thing. The same way taxes and strings are not a thing. Um, yeah. Would people like collect in the middle of nowhere for this creative collaboration yeah. space? Cause that sounds really
1: dope yeah 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 is that way no, no, yes yeah they must come from them when i first had a space like this i had it in downtown johannesburg 10 years ago it was um a space that was traditionally an industrial area it was completely desolated no one was there and i created a space called malva malva is the name of a south african dessert It's super tasty like sticky toffee pudding And it was midwinter in South Africa in a perceived dangerous industrial area. And I opened this place and it was like this beating heart of a precinct, which we were developing around it, which became Maboneng, the place of light. And Malva was this, yeah, it was the heartbeat of that precinct. And people came from all over. They came back to the city. They came into the space. And the space was like a living testament to what I believe creativity is which is a mixture and a merger and a showcase and all things mixed together. I had a cupcake factory, a co-work space, a theater. I sold every single thing from the lampshades to the rugs on the floor. It was like, it was everything they said you couldn't do. Like you had to pick one. I was like, I'm putting everything I love into one space and there's art and there's jewelry and there's this and you can work here and there's a knitting corner and there's a love letter writing corner. And I would walk around uh, like with my tiny dog, which was a black pug wearing a wig and a ball gown and whatever I felt like it was just a creative space of expression. It was super delightful. And I've always wanted something like that again, where people can gather from all over and just come to replenish, connect and create. And I think that that's yeah, it could be a cool space for anyone to tap into either in real life, they could come there for retreat, or they could tune in for a class or something that was hosted online. But so they could be within the space in real life or virtually it's like a transcendent space in the middle of nowhere that you can either ac- that you can access both ways.
0: I'm so ready for you to create that and can't wait. It'll probably probably be next
1: month, yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> knowing you. Now that I've, now now that I've spoken you, it into existence, yeah, yeah it's probably going to happen.
0: Yeah, and knowing you, it'll be accelerated because, again, like <laughs> part, of her, part of her being so prolific is that she's just accelerated in her speed. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> <laughs> if we do another episode in a month called how I Built a Creative <laughs> Collective Space in co- During COVID in a Month by Lauren Wallet.
1: <laughs> but then we have to do the podcast there. That'll be so nice. In the oh, yes. space. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. And then we'll record a video and share it as well.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, I love it. Okay, now I'm so ready. See, now I'm excited for today again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We've reactivated the energy of reciprocity. Everyone's here for it.
1: Yeah. I think it's that thing of like, if you're feeling burnt out or you're Feeling stuck, it's because you're playing small. You just need to crack the layer and go bigger. And when you're in a place of expansion and creative possibility, there is only room to grow and to stretch. And you feel free. And when you feel free and you can breathe easy and you can move, you don't get exhausted. It's more delightful. So if if anyone's listening and you're going, Oh my God, like I'm so burnt out, I'm so tired, this sounds exhausting, I would invite you to the idea that maybe your dreams are too small. Or maybe you're just limiting what you want because when you are fueled by desire of anything is possible, like what could it be? And the idea of beyond your wildest dreams is continuously pushing yourself to go the minute you can visualize it. It's probably too small, but what's beyond that? Like what's the bigger version? And just pushing that, like you get into a space where there's a lot of room for movement and that feels really good.
0: Thank you for
1: sharing that with us sure
0: sure (laughs) anytime yeah this has been such a delight lauren thank you so much for hanging out and sharing all of your brilliance with us today i adore you and i'm so grateful for you and for anyone who wants more of lauren wallet and like who wouldn't you can go to laurenwallet.com you can follow her on instagram at the creativity coach is there anything i'm missing that we need to
1: remember That's so great. Thank you. This has been so great. I feel so good. Thanks.
0: Thanks. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hey, if you're a writer entrepreneur, ready to grow your business to multiple six figures while also getting your personal writing done and making an impact, I created craft and cashflow for you. This Creative Leadership Collective is a 12-month program that will help you implement the exact steps I took to grow from six to multiple six figures, churn out writing work that got me attention and enthusiastic collaborators, and make a difference. We get started September 7th, and I'm so excited. If you're curious to learn more about this virtual group program where you'll get tons of personal attention, coaching, and strategy on your writing and your business, and even some energy work and healing too, let's talk. I've opened up a few times in my calendar for quick chats just for this. You can head to creativesmakingmoney.com slash chat to grab a time. Speak soon. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Creatives Making Money. And please don't go anywhere without subscribing. My hope is that the show becomes the therapy you didn't have to pay for and gives you all the know-how, confidence, and ahas you need to succeed on your journey. Sharing how you connected with this episode really makes my day. So please tag me on Instagram at Jamie Lynn Jensen and let me know how this episode helped you. Sharing that with a rating and review also helps me reach more awesome humans like you and I so appreciate it. If you're looking to connect with more listeners and like-minded creatives like you as well and also with me, please join us in the private Creatives Making Money Facebook group at creativesmakingmoney.com slash group. It's totally free to join. And as always, you can find all important links and details in this episode's show notes available at creatorsmakingmoney.com. Do not hesitate to head over there right now and grab all the goodies. And as always, create like you mean it.